You know, we've got, uh, we got some pictures we were going to show you uh, from when our kids were little. And, you know, when I looked, uh, if they pop them up there. Just keep talking. Uh, all right. But uh, it's amazing. You know, Lucina and I this week, we're just trying to find some pictures that we remembered. And you just forget about how fast it is that your kids grow up. Because it only seemed like yesterday when we saw that the picture uh, that we were going to use, I was like, I, I remember that. You know, I remember when they were, how old were they, like two and three years old? Oh, and, no, the first picture, he's like a year and a half, and she's, okay. she's still a baby. Uh, and so it's just amazing how fast the time goes, and to see them now and think that we actually have uh, one hook in the water for grandkids now. <laughs> and uh, We're you know. trolling. We're trolling. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, it's fun to, to think back. And so one of the things that we wanted to do just as we get started is just to talk about the fact that uh, no matter what you're doing, whether it's on this topic or anything else, you know, raising your kids uh, is all about discipleship. And so, you know, we talk about that a lot here, the fact that uh, everything we do, when we look at adding a ministry when we look at evaluating what we do, our scorecard is discipleship. And uh, so sometimes folks can look at all we do here and just say, man, that's overwhelming. Whatever happened to this sim- simple church concept? And the reality is we are a simple church. And uh, everything we do is about being and making disciples. And so that is true in parenting with your kids and uh, you know, it's everything in life. It's all the things that, like the things we're going to talk about today. And so discipleship is uh, three things. And first, it's uh, I have to be a disciple to make disciples. So that's just, you know, it's First Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so the biggest ways that you can help your kids and play the role in your family for both of you is just to follow Jesus and imitate Christ. And that's going to equip you on 99.9% of what you have to deal with if you're following Christ. And the second uh, that I like to think about is just, uh, again, you know, uh, uh, as Todd has journeyed through John, we had John 13, 34, and 35, which is a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. You know, even as I've loved you, you're to love one another. By this, they will know that you're my disciples. How do you know a disciple? Man, they love people. And so there's no greater people that God calls us to to love than our spouse and our kids. And so, you know, I've got to love God. I've got to follow Christ. I've got to love my family. And the third I like to think of is just, you know, three, three words, initiate, encourage, and challenge. And so that's what you do whether your kids are one and two years old or whether your kids are 22 and 24-year-old years old. And that's initiate, encourage, and challenge. That's what we do you know, with guys in my community. That's what we do in every realm. And so I like to think of that really two passages. First is First uh, Thessalonians four fourteen through 17 is kind of the model for that. You know, to admonish the unruly, to help the weak, uh, encourage the faint-hearted, be patient with everyone. And the second is Colossians three twelve through 17. So, you know, just write those verses down. We don't have them... Uh, to pop up here, but again, it's, it's to put on a heart of compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. So that, that's how we uh, initiate, encourage, and challenge. So kids, what we're here to do today, though, is, is to really talk about 
how would you answer some of the tough questions your kids ask? And so um, kids are just naturally curious. They, as they begin a learning language, they start out asking questions. Why? Why is that? What's that? Who's that? That's the beginning of learning. And um, it wears you out when they're two years old, three years old. But as they grow in verbal ability, the questions actually become a little more difficult and challenging. As they are learning, it's how they learn and understand the world around them. So it's a great thing. And we want to be excited about the questions that they're going to ask because they are. And it gives us a great opportunity. Questions are just a great opportunity for you to build relationship and um, show understanding. Give your kids a biblical worldview. That's what questions give you the chance to do. So as kids grow, the questions may make us begin to feel uncomfortable or like, I don't know anything. Like, who am I? I, just, I don't know a thing. And let me just ask, do, do we have the video clip? It doesn't matter if we do or not. Yes or no? In the back, do we have the video? Can we go? Yep. Oh, we can. All right, so the questions can make us feel uncomfortable, want, especially if we're not hamburger. prepared. Well, go ahead. It's okay. Watch this. Want, Mayor, money's Hamburgers look great. What can I get for you? Do you have a penis? Can we hear your specials, please? This table is a little wobbly here. Uh, give us a minute, please. Awkward. <laughs> Mary, that's a very adult word. Where did you hear it? Jenny said her father and her brother have a penis. What is it? Peter, you're the architect. Why don't you explain it to me? The penis is the urinary and the copulatory organ of the male mammal it's composed primarily thank you what did you memorize that i bet he says that to all the girls mary and i are going to wash our hands i can't believe she said that i didn't know about sex till i was in college i'm stunned I was exaggerating, Peter. I'm talking about Mary, Michael. She's not a baby anymore. Don't you see that one word was like a, a trumpet announcing her adulthood in deafening volume. First comes penis, Pete, then comes... Pete. could say what? a little louder on the shepherd. Hey, it's like the psychologist said. She's susceptible to the outside world now. Boys, sex... You're overreacting. I'm overreacting. How? Yeah, what's a genital here and there? Look, be quiet. They're coming. And so you see, these two were not really prepared for that conversation. And so we're going to talk about that this morning and hopefully get you better prepared so that you are glad they ask. Yes. So do you have those pictures? Go ahead and advance the... So that's the one I was talking about when they're one and a half and however old. Yeah, they're a, year, a little over a year apart. Okay, six months. And then the next one... Yeah, let's move fast. <laughs> and then... That's uh, at Audrey's wedding, a fun picture. And then that's, uh, that's our new family now that we have a son-in-law also. So again, it's just how fast that happens from that first one uh, where we're just hanging out playing in the hall to, uh, uh, to that one. And so uh, I, I want to tell you all this too. Uh, you know, I, I, it would be great uh, if uh, your husbands were here, but they're not. And so I, I want to tell you that... Uh, 
Lucina uh, did a great job of shepherding and helping and equipping me in this area. And so I was probably like those guys sitting there thinking, oh my goodness. And, you know, Lucina has just, uh, again, from when our kids were little, just really helped me to get comfortable and understand uh, the, the role, responsibility, and how we get to do this together, how we got to talk through a lot of stuff. And so I feel like that really set us up for great success in this area where I could have really whipped. And so, you know, you guys have a great opportunity to take what we talk about today and use this as something that to, you just continue to get equipped on. And so, again, the key isn't to know the answers. The key is to foster the questions and know where you can find the answers. And so uh, what we're going to do during our time, first, we're going to give you kind of a grid for how to answer these questions, you know, how we answered them throughout your child's life. And by the way, they will continue to come, uh, and that's a good thing. Um, Second, we're going to give you three major categories of questions that uh, we've encountered and possible answers for those. And those categories are, you know, Lucina calls them the S word, uh, the big D's, and the little B's. And so we can leave you thinking about what in the world are those. <laughs> and uh, finally, we want to answer questions that we don't get to, that we don't address that you guys have during your table time. And so, uh, again, when I, I think about this, I just say, hey, uh, you need to be ready for the questions that are coming that you dread. And the reason you need to be ready is because hopefully you're going to get these questions. And some, like at a meal, when the waitress asks, what do you want, you know, when you least expect it. And so just be ready. And so the, our top ten guides to answering your kids' tough questions. Number one is making, uh, asking questions safe. And so just making an environment where there is never a bad question. And, you know, you want your kids to come to you first, not his or her friends, not, you know, little, little Julie. You know, you heard her talk about, you know, Julie's uh, big brother and daddy have a penis. Okay, you don't want her to go talk to Julie's big brother and ask him. All right, so do you, I hear you have a penis, you know, because if it's not safe with you, that's where she's going. She's going to Julie's big brother. And so, uh, you know, some of the questions, it was funny, Jordan, uh, our 24-year-old, called us this morning just to say, hey, Dad, I prayed for you guys. I'm excited you're getting to, to, to talk. And I just said, Jordan, it's fun because just thinking about the questions that you and Audrey asked growing up, I said, you know, I can remember when you guys came home and said, hey, what's a blowjob? At the uh, dinner table. At the dinner table, no less. You know, I, I can remember specifically when Jordan asked me, he said, Dad, how do homosexuals have sex? You know, how, how does that work? How do they do that? And uh, so we got to laugh about how just talking through some of that. Uh, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the questions Jordan asked me before he went through puberty is, Hey, Dad, what's semen look like? You know, we've talked about my penis getting erect and masturbation and this white stuff coming out called semen. What does that look like and what's it taste like? And so, you know, the, the great, here's the great thing is that Jordan, you know, we had an environment. You didn't know this was X-rated today, did you? If there's anything that I say that's uncomfortable to you, it's because my wife made me comfortable talking about these things. So, 
Um, and then, you know, Jordan, you know, in the last, uh, even in the last four or five years when he was 19 to, to early 20s, you know, one of the questions he would ask that we got to wrestle through is, Dad, is it ever okay to masturbate? You know, what, what's Scripture say about that? And are there times, because I've got friends that say that that's okay. And so, again, those are, I, I, you know, I hope I keep getting those kind of questions because what a great opportunity to wrestle through what Scripture say about that. Because if you ask your buddies, you know, there's no telling what they're going to say. And so, again, that verse that we gave you, the First Timothy 1.5, that's just authenticity, a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And so just initiate talking about real life, relevance, and culture every opportunity you get. So the second point is to understand what your child is really asking. Always, always important. And you even saw a little bit about a little of this on the video where the, the woman turns, well, that's a very adult word. Where did you hear that? So let's make sure we understand why the child is asking and where did they get their information. It helps before you launch into some explanation. I love the story about the little preschooler that comes to mom and, and asks what sex is. And so after stumbling a little bit in this very lengthy, very detailed, somewhat shocking explanation to the preschooler, the little kid looks and goes, man, Johnny just told me I need to find out if I'm male or female. And um, so, you know, you're like, okay, maybe that was too much information. And I answered a question that he wasn't asking or she. So be sure. This is where those of you that are went through school and had communications class, this is speech 101. Ask good, open questions. Well, why do you ask that question? Um, where did you hear that word? Tell me how... What, what you know about it. What do you think about that? And so ask those questions so that you can get on the table where your child is coming from. And then we're going to talk later about age-appropriate answers and only giving them enough information, just, just the amount of information that is appropriate for the stage at where they're at. And so just be, be curious yourself. Always probe further because it, we know from that Proverbs 18.2 that it's a fool who, you know, takes pleasure in... Uh, um, expressing his opinion, not really an understanding. You don't want to be a fool. You want to be a wise woman. And so you need to gain understanding before you express, and we would say not your opinion, but God's approach, God's word on that matter. And so that, that leads to number three, which is using God's word, you know, as your guide on everything. And, you, you, you know, you always hear us talk about woo, that Scripture should be our uh, authority, conscience, and guide in everything we do. And so even more so, so this is modeling this for your kids. So if they see you go to God's word for the answers, they're just going to assume that's where the answers are. And so that's going to be their first response. And so you know, this gets back to uh, what I said earlier about discipleship. The first step is imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so my kids have to see us doing that in any issues that we're dealing with in our life, whether it's working through conflict, whether it's asking them for forgiveness, whether it's how I love Lucina, whether it's how we steward resources. As our kids got older, they're part of our family. They're part of our community. They're involved in every decision we make as we wrestle through moving, as we wrestle through stewarding resources, as we, you know, wrestle through how we love neighbors and friends and, you know, who do you play with, who you not play with, and, uh, you know, wrestle through how we're trying to be intentional in different things that we do. And so, again, this is just the Psalm 19, 105. You know, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
And so, uh, you know, even when you know the answer, it's just great to sit down and just say, hey, let's, let's open our Bible. Let's look at what Scripture says about that. And it's a great on-ramp for everything. So as you get into, you know, as your kids get into middle school and high school and you start talking about, again, you start talking about abortion, you start talking about same-sex marriage, you start talking about drinking, you start talking about dating, they want to know that your authority and reference on that is Scripture, not just, hey, this is kind of what we think about that. I really don't care what you think, you know. As they get older, I want to know the whys and understand just the heart behind that. And so, again, it's just all about modeling uh, that Scripture informs everything you do. Number uh, four is really to just pray before you speak. And I don't mean, I'm not saying you get down on your knees right there and say, well, Jordan, let's pray before I answer that question. It's running through your mind. It's the conversation we know we're to be continually in an attitude of prayer. Ephesians tells us that, and and right here in Philippians 4 is the verse I have up here, to have no anxiety about anything, even the question you were just asked, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. So it's that it runs through your mind, Lord, help me frame my words right now, and give me the right words to speak. And even if that is, that's a great question. You know what? I would love to answer that. Mom needs some time to look that up and then let's talk about that later or let that's a great question i'd love to answer that with daddy when daddy gets home tonight we'll talk about that at dinner and so it may be even that you answer it in needing more time but man ask god just ask god let that run through you my lord just let the words of my mouth and the meditations what we already said be acceptable in your sight so just help me god because i want to do this the way you want me to it's just as simple as that pray before you speak And uh, number five is just being honest, you know, and again, not, uh, not trying to cover over, uh, but that, that's how you develop and earn trust. It's not uncommon for kids to realize early on that, hey, mom and dad, they're, they're not shooting straight with me, you know, and so that's what, tr- the whole thing is all built on trust. You know, shepherding your child's heart is built, it's all about trust, and so just being honest, again, uh, you've got your Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 there that just reminds us that God hates it when we're not. And so it's, there's appropriateness. That doesn't mean that I give all the information to every question, but it does mean that I'm honest. And so, you know, we even had, again, there, there is stuff that comes up. Uh, we had a situation uh, six weeks ago where we had something uncovered in our family that happened a number of years ago. And and it's something that we're getting a journey through with our kids. And uh, Lucina and I, you know, after we wrestled through it, Scripture, our community, the next step was to call Jordan and just try and get more information from him and what he could remember. And so we get Jordan on the phone, and I start asking Jordan questions. And, you know, after about the second question, Jordan says, Dad, why are you asking me these questions? And I said, Jordan, you need to trust me. I said, I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly why I'm, I'm asking you these. But right now, I, just, I need you to give me information, and I need you to trust me that I'm going to be honest with you. And he said, okay, Dad. And he proceeded to answer, give us all the information. And then I said, Jordan, here's, here's why we were asking you those questions. And so it was just great that, you know, even as a 24-year-old, he said, okay, I don't know where we're going, but I know you do, and I trust you. 
And so here's everything I know, everything I can remember. So again, just being honest to build, uh, you know, to be able to build that trust. And so that even involves, uh, you know, part of it involves your, our history, our story. You know, again, a lot of it, as our kids have gotten older, you know, we wanted to make sure that they always heard everything because we're public about our marriage and issues that we had. We want our kids to hear that from us, not on a video or somebody else. And so as they were able, I mean, we continued to give them information. And uh, again, just building trust. Jordan, you know, before he ever got to a point, you know, where he was going through puberty, I wanted to build relational trust with him so that he understood that, hey, this is an area as a young man that the enemy had his way with me. And so, you know, I was uh, taken down by pornography and masturbation, and these things are going to happen, and you're going to want to do this, and I won't get into the graphics of what I told him. But I just said, you know, that's coming. And so as it does, man, I want to help you journey through that in a way I didn't journey through that well. And so, again, it's just being honest and building trust. The sixth thing is to really use teachable moments. And you hear that everywhere uh, everywhere you turn. Any great book on parenting will talk about using the teachable moments. So, and, th- and that principle that underlies that comes from the Deuteronomy passage, which is just a great passage on raising children from Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. It's what God gave the Israelites. And what he said is these words that I've commanded you this day, you know, write them on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, which means in all the moments of your day. And then he he talks about what those are. Uh, You'll talk about them when you sit in your house. You'll talk about them when you walk along the way to wherever you're going. You'll talk about them when you lie down at night and then when you rise, meaning all day long. And so while you're doing dishes, while you're folding laundry, while you're cutting an apple open, it's a great opportunity to talk about, begin the the conversation about sex. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But use those teachable moments. And then I think another key, as you have preschoolers, is to do it on their level. And I don't mean the words coming out of your mouth. I mean physical presence. So someone um, really helped me. I had one child who struggled with um, separation anxiety. And leaving her at a nursery or Mother's Day out was very painful. The screaming, the crying, the... And so I went to an older mentor at the time, like, how do I deal with this in a godly manner? And she said, you know, again, trust issue. You need to get down on her level, and I'm going to demonstrate. So when you walk up to that door in the Mother's Day out room, you get down on her level, and you look her right in the eye. And you say very directly, Audrey, Mommy loves you. And today, I'm going to have some time for Mommy. And I'm going to leave you here, and I'm going to come back and get you at 2 o'clock. And and here's your teacher. And you open the door, and you get up, and you turn, and you walk away. And you don't look back. There's the key. Don't turn around. Don't look back. Don't pass go. Don't collect your money. Just get out the door. Okay? And what will happen is you will come back at 2 o'clock, and you will pick her up. And you can say then, see, Audrey, I told you I would be back here just like I said I would. Builds trust on her level. There's not, I'm not talking down to her. I am talking Mm one-on-one directly to her. Mm -hmm. Number seven is uh, avoid too much details. And so that Proverbs uh, twenty nine twenty, uh, do you see a man hasty in his word? Uh, you know, there's more hope for a fool uh, than for him. And so, you know, even thinking about that little video we showed, it's fun to just even take that, go home with your husband, 
and just say, okay, this is our five-year-old. How would we answer that question? And It's you know, on YouTube, Three Men and a Little Lady, yeah. Do You Have a Penis? So, you can find it too. Yeah, so what would we say? You know, for a five-year-old, what would we say to an eight-year-old? What would we say to a 15-year-old? Hopefully, you've had lots of conversation. <laughs> you got yes, a bi- you, you got a bigger issue if they ask you at 15. So, um, but anyway, you know, it's avoid too much detail, but also be relevant. And so I, I, I totally see, now I think about this, um, you know, again, just as Audrey, uh, you know, Audrey's kind of been our, our structured one. She's our analytical one. And I can remember, you know, she's asking questions about what's going on. And so when she was five, you know, hey, hey, dad, uh, what do you do at work? Okay. And so when she's five, I say, Audrey, you know, dad goes to his work in his office and we work to try to help people. Okay. So that's the answer at five. When she's 10, you know, dad, what do you do? Well, Audrey, we're, we work in an office with people and what we're doing is we're trying to find energy so they can make gasoline for cars so that cars go. And also we're trying to find, uh, the uh, things that allow us to heat our home. And so that's kind of what we do at 10 years old. At 15, you know, Dad, what do you do? Well, we drill for, you know, oil and natural gas. And so oil is, they send it to refineries as crude oil. And, you know, that this is how that natural gas goes through pipelines and it gets into our home and it's heated. And so then when Audrey's 18, you know, we're talking about stratigraphic and structural traps underground. We're talking about you know, uh, density neutron logs, you know, we're talking about drilling rigs and pipe programs, and Audrey's a petroleum engineer now, you know, and so Audrey knows more than I do, probably. (laughs) So, you know, that discussion, I'd be asking her. But again, it's a whole lot different. When she's five years old, I'm not laying on her a a neutron density log and porosities, you know. I'm laying on her what she can digest and handle at the time. Yeah, so number eight is to just be available. And I think for your generation, this is so paramount. And and particularly you as a mom, you're the one with your children all day long. And let me just um, tell you, and m- many of you are in your 20s, and so you're going to understand what I'm going to say here. Our kids didn't even have cell phones until high school. Okay, now that wasn't because we were these super strict parents and blah, that was because Nobody did, okay? That, that's because it, that's such a short time ago, and yet, you know, mom and dad had the Nokia flip phone, but there was no need for the kid to have it. Nobody else had it, so there was no pressure to have it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, do you see how far we've come now? And so Kyle was the first one that had the, the first real... Um, PDA was a, it wasn't a Nokia flip phone. He got a Blackberry. That was really something. And, and he could read his email um, all, you know, at home. That was really something. I mean, he was on the cutting edge. And so what happened pretty early on in that process is he could be found at the dinner table with his Blackberry looking at it. And his children called him on it before they had theirs. Of course, this was before they had an iPhone in their hand. And so they were like, Dad, you know, we're trying to talk about something here. Could you just put that down? Um, His father had to help him with it. Um, 
man, Kyle, I feel like you're on that all the time. I can't even have a conversation with you. And so that helped him. What's been funny is the tables have turned. And now that we have iPhones and we've got kids in their 20s, we'll sit down and we're like, okay, should we check that at the door? Because Kyle's, look, Audrey is a petroleum engineer. She's, she is a field engineer. She has an iPhone personal and iPhone work. They're constantly sending her information. She'll be at dinner with us constantly looking at information. We need you for this. We need you for that. Because the well is running. This is happening. X is happening. He's like, could you put that down for a moment? Believe it or not, when our kids were toddlers, we went out on date night. There was no phone. There was no talking to the babysitter. You didn't talk to your kids when you left them when they were 10 years old. You said, mom and dad will be back in three hours. And you went to the movie and you never communicated with them. Can you believe they survived? I know you can. It's shocking, but they actually survived that. I mean, do you see? I just think this is almost maybe one of those things that Satan is like, Okay, how can I get at them even better? And the way is I'm going to feed them so much information all the time, they're distracted. Stop it. Put it down. Have a no-cell zone somewhere at your, at your dinner table, at whatever. You figure out what those are, but you cannot be available for your children if you are distracted on Pinterest and on Facebook and on Twitter and tweeting. You cannot be focused on the most important thing in your life. So figure out what the boundary is. I don't know because it's changing so rapidly. I I still don't tweet. I don't even have the Twitter thing. I can't even keep up with my child now. But you know what? I mean, figure it out and be available. Set boundaries. Okay, we got these out of order. That was actually number nine. Number eight, uh, it's okay to say you don't know. We we got our, but sorry, that's okay. No, and so um, uh, again, it's, um, you, you know, just recognizing that your kids need to know that uh, again, this to me gets back to the number two, which is uh, going to Scripture. But again, part of that just being let, let's go through and discover this together. And, uh, you know, Proverbs 92 is one we use all the time. You know, it's not good to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footstep errs. And so don't feel like you have to be rushed into giving an answer. You can give something and say, but let's talk about that more. May it might be a, a time-appropriate place to do that. And so, you know, I, I do think, you know, just touching on number nine that Lucina just mentioned, uh, th- th- this to me, that's a major one. And one of the other things that we did that I'm so thankful we did when our kids were your kids' ages is uh, we made a decision to have dinner every night together at six o'clock. And so whatever I had going on, it, it got planned around that. And so that included sports. And so if I'm going to if I'm going to uh, coach teams, we're going to practice at 4 o'clock so we can finish by 5.30 because we're having dinner together at 6. Or, uh, you know, it happens later at night. If I had a commitment, a uh, business commitment, then I did not uh, compromise that without making sure that Lucina thought that was wise to do. So what we did is we have dinner every night at 6 together. If we decide that there's something else that we need to do, we decide that. I don't just unilaterally decide. And so I look back, that, that dinner for us was the richest time. That's where, again, our kids went from kindergarten through high school to public school. And so we got to deal with all kinds of issues and things that they were exposed to, which really equipped them for, for life. And uh, I think just putting, you know, putting a stake in the ground and deciding, uh, thing, those are hard because you're, you are moving against the current. Because 
you know, as your kids get older, there's going to be sports teams. Hey, we, we practice four times a week from 6 to 7.30. All right, we just have to decide which is a better investment for our family, that our son plays on this baseball team or that we have that time at dinner. Or, you know, is there a compromise in there? Just, but just put a stake in the ground. If you wait until your kids are in junior high, you know, the, the current is flowing so fast, it's too late. You know, it's too hard. You've got to groove this as quickly as you can. And then just operate from there. And then, again, just take an interest. Part of the be available is you've got to take interest in what your kids are interested in. And so, you know, Jordan's an artist. And so I began to get interested in art. Jordan uh, decided for a multitude of reasons he didn't want to play football in junior high. You know, and I played football. And so I, I learned about gymnastics. I learned about, you know, the different events and you know, I took a real interest in that. Audrey liked horses. I didn't like horses. They scared me. But I learned to go with Audrey and get over that fear that the horse was going to kick me, you know, and brush her horse or that was going to bite me, you know, and just take an interest in what they're interested in. Okay, so number 10 is um, just give it up right now. Accept the fact that you will never be the perfect parent. You're not going to be. Um, Our kids are already coming up with their list of I'm not going to do what I'm not going to do that my parents did. And that doesn't hurt my feelings because I had great parents. And And yet I'm very clear they were not perfect parents. And they were very clear about that. And so, um, and, and that's the greatest thing that you can do with your children is let them know you're not perfect. And what that means is from a very young age, you begin to model, will you forgive me? I'm, will you forgive me for speaking to you in that tone? Will you forgive mommy for yelling? Or maybe it wasn't even yelling. Maybe it was just harsh. Maybe it was whatever it was. Um, maybe you said a cuss word at the car that took off. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. But, but what you are modeling is, again, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And you still are. You are on the road, um, and you are trying to be more like Christ every day, but you are not there yet. And, um, and so it just it levels the playing field. And what it lets your kids know very quickly is what, what my daughter has said is, you know what, it, I mean, knowing that, that you don't think you're perfect and you telling me some of the things where you made major mistakes just makes it easier for me when I make a mistake to come to you and tell you so. So if you set yourself up as perfection, always having the answer, always knowing, always doing the right thing, then when your kids fall flat on their face in high school or whenever it occurs, they're not going to want to come to you first and tell you, this is what I did. And yet that's what we want to have. So set that up, set that up early on. Know that um, I, I have this great verse from Proverbs about your mouth. and I, Because for me, it's my mouth that usually got me in trouble with my kids. It was my tone. It was my words. It was the harshness with which I spoke that I had to own most of the time. The energy that was there, um, etc. And so that... That passage is really great. I also love 1 Peter 4, 8, that love covers a multitude of sins. And so you're going to have them, ladies, but your love for your children and them knowing you love them unconditionally, guess what? They're going to love you unconditionally too. And children forgive a multitude of things. And so that's a beautiful um, perspective. So that would be the, the framework for everything we would talk about, um, everything we're going to talk about now. Any question from, from little tiny preschool years right on through when they have children, I, I hope they'll come to us with questions about that. This is the framework 
work that, that you would want to use to answer those questions. So let's talk about some of those sticky questions, shall we? And the first that we want to talk about is the S word, and it's not a cuss word. So I, I laughed brainstorming, and I told my son what I was doing. He goes, you mean you're going to talk about... And he said the S-H-I-T word. And I said, no, we're talking about sex. And he's like, oh, well, that's, you know, I mean, okay, no big deal. So it is the S word. We're talking about all the sex and anatomy questions. And again, looking at a framework, how do we talk about these? What do we want to do from a very early age? And the fact is, again, your children are curious. They're going to be curious from the moment they come forth from the womb. And so as little toddlers, they're going to touch themselves. They're going to have their hand down their pants. Your son's going to play with his penis. I'm going to say it. And, um, and it might freak you out. I didn't have brothers. I'd never been around boys. I was like, oh my gosh, he's touching himself. Like, is that okay? And I really flipped out about it a little bit. And so um, very early, you need to know that that is natural. That is normal. That is part of the curiosity. And so begin to talk about it and use the proper words, no matter how hard that is. And if you're blushing and you're falling under your table right now and you grew up in a home where we didn't talk about that, well, then get around your friends who are nurses or, uh, or, or doctors or whatever and say, would you help me? learn to talk about this just like you do because you're it's you're very matter of fact about it and I want to be like be able to say penis and vagina with that your penis and mommy has a vagina I mean I'm you know just the more you blanch and 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 go red over it the more they're going to think well there's something wrong with that and, and many of us were raised in churches or cultures where we didn't talk about it or it was no 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 until, and then you're set up to get married and that the, everything's just supposed to fall away and it's supposed to be great. And you're struggling with all these things like, is this okay? I mean, and so that was tough for us. That was the beginning of some of the, we had trouble with like even saying, make love to me. And that was difficult. Kyle definitely grew up in that, that world and he couldn't say those words. And so we, we had another word for it that we would use like a code word. But then it felt like this is not right or this is dirty or, and, and so it set up all kinds of things, even in our early married, married life. So learn the proper words and use them and don't be afraid. Now, when you do that though, you may have Mary at the table because Mary's little friend's mom had used the proper words. And so Mary, because when you teach your child that, just know they're going to say that. So be prepared for having that discussion with the other mother. Because Jenny may come up to Mary and say, my brother and my daddy have penis. And if you've never used those words or if your child's using them and she tells them to someone else, they're going to be like, your child talked about a penis. And you know what? You got to be able to look that mother in the eye and say, yes, we use proper words at our house. Uh, Your son does have one. Um, I, I I don't know if you've checked lately. It's not his tail. And, you know, so many little, I mean, sometimes when you look at those little picture books, you know, you look, the, the, uh, seriously, like little girls, if, they, if they're not around a brother, they look and they see that the animals have tails and then they see the picture book and they're like, well, you know, so-and-so has a tail. Well, or daddy has a tail. Well, he does. It's in the front. I mean, you know, like that's, it's really not. And you need to correct that. It's not a tail. It's not in his behind. I mean, so so simple. I mean, but you know, we laugh, but it's true. So learn to use the proper words and use them early on. So as a toddler, when, when your daughter's got her hand down her pants or touching herself, yes, you, you, you have a vagina. And when your son, you know, goes to the bathroom, 
Well, you have to teach him. He does have to touch his penis. He does. He has one. He has to touch it. And so you begin to talk about those at that age. Um, You want to very early on in preschool talk about sex. And I mean that sex is between, and you always want to phrase it, a mommy and a daddy. Yes, um, a mommy and a daddy. And so another great way to do this, and there's some great books, and we're going to give you some resources. So I don't want to spend a ton of time, but you start from the get-go. You start talking about this. When you're cutting an apple, it's a great time to talk about creation. When you're walking around, when you pick up a pecan, this is a seed. When you cut open an apple, there are seeds. All of life springs from a seed. This apple came from a seed. Isn't that cool? And you can look at Jordan and say, you came from a seed too. We've begun sex education. And you can feel so proud of yourself. That's all you have to say. At that age, that's all they need to know. But then you can begin to add to that over time. It did come from a seed. And so then when mommy, some of you are like that, you're real big. Let's say you, you now have a two-year-old, a three-year-old. Where did the, how did the baby get in your tummy? Ah, I got to now go to step two. Well, remember how I told you there's a seed? Daddy has a seed. Daddy has the seed in him, and Daddy put the seed in Mommy. And you just wait to see if that's enough. And, <laughs> and then there, you, now you've, you, you're, you're, you've gone to second base. You're, you're good. You've gone to second base. And so you just wait. Now, they may continue to ask, and if they ask, you go on. And if you need to at this point, most people don't. Because you know what? They're pretty satisfied. You've answered that. Okay, that's okay. But you might have Curious Callie, and she's going to keep asking, Well, how did the seed get in you? Well, daddy's penis went in mommy's vagina, and the the seed was delivered that way. And then their eyes might get really big, you know. But possibly at that point, they might not say anything more. But it's, do you see that it's an ongoing conversation? You add to it over time as the question comes up. Not elaborating much more, not elaborating elaborating much less. So uh, we learned this early on. Went to, you know, much like you're doing and heard that this is the way, a great way that God, and again, it's beautiful to what God intended between a mommy and daddy. Then we get to the next tough question. What if your child walks in and you are in the middle of intimacy? Well, again, hopefully you've set that up ahead of time. If you didn't, well, there's a couple. Let's back up even before that. So the rule before that is get a lock. I mean, come on, just get a lock on your door. And um, I was talking to our community and Tawny McFarlane is um, in community with us. And I was telling her about it. She goes, well, then they might have a kid like me. Because I knew my mom and dad were in there and the door was shut and it was locked. But I went and got the thing and picked the lock. Uh, and she, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And so again, you might have one of those kids. And so she's like, don't tell them just to get one of those locks that's like the, new, the doorknob with the lock. Like they need a little thing that slides across the top or the little hook. So that even if the kid, you know, even if they're 10 and they figured out how to unlock what you're doing in there, you know, whether you have afternoon time on Sunday afternoon, whatever it is. Um, that they know. So this happened to us. Jordan was very little, preschool, middle of the, I mean, it felt like middle night. So he had been in bed a long time. We're in our room. The lights are out. He came in and we were very quick. So he didn't even ask questions. I don't know that he even knew it or recognized it and remembered it. But it may be that your child walks in and they see enough and they are old enough, five, six, to know what's going on. So again, what do you do? You go back to what you hopefully had already talked about that mommy and daddy love each other and God has created a 
beautiful plan for mommies and daddies um, to express their love. And we were expressed, and mommies and daddies get close, and they do take their clothes off. And if you've, again, talked about the other, and depending on where they caught you, then you may have to go on and say, yeah, and, you know, the way that God created the daddy and the mommy to fit perfectly was that's what we were, that was happening. So, you know. And you would go on and say those words. So, um, again, it depends on what you have done up to that point, but you be honest, you be factual, and you answer the question. And so if you're not comfortable, you need to get comfortable now. Now, what about the homosexuality question? Um, many of us now have that. We have that in our family. And so we have um, many um, extended families, cousins that we actually call uncles because they're Kyle's cousins, my cousin, um, that are homosexual. And so, again, kids are curious. Very quickly, they're going to pick up and perceive that, well, Uncle Bill, Uncle Frank, Uncle Tom has a boyfriend. Why is that? And so, again, great. What we never want to do is demean them. Um, And we want to talk about how deeply we love them and that we are always moving toward them in love and that you've seen us love them well. But what God set up, God created mommies and daddies. Their bodies, as you know, we've already talked about it. Hopefully you can, they'll ask this later, not hopefully as a priest preschooler, but God created daddies with a penis and mamas with a vagina to fit together perfectly, to come together to create children. And, and he just didn't do that with two men. It's just, that's just not possible. And hopefully again, they won't ask how do they do it until later. And so, um, they, they didn't. And so uncle Bill doesn't understand that, but mommy and daddy have been talking to him. We're going to continue to love him well, and then use your Bible again that, that sometimes love is talking about difficult things, but we love him and we want to show him that we love him regardless of what he does. Just like when you hit Susie, your little sister, I forgave you for that. I love you still. And that didn't break our relationship. We love uncle Bill. And so we, he's not doing what God designed, but we still love him. And, and, and then again, as they age, you can continue to have that conversation. What about your own sexual past? Uh, and, and when do you talk about that? And I think with your community, you can continue to process that. Um, really, as your children start to date and you begin to talk about purity, whenever that is in their teen years, um, may be a proper time to, to, to discuss it. Kyle and I did not have sex before we got married. But the difficulty for us came after we were married. And so both of us were, if you haven't heard our story, both of us um, were unfaithful in varying degrees and ways in, in our marriage. And it's a very painful part. I never spoke of it until we came to Watermark. And I learned to put things into the light. And we both did and, and began to speak openly of it. But it took a long time because there was great guilt and shame to suffer over what had happened in our broken early years of marriage. And so, um, so much so I'm thinking I'm never, first it was, I'm never telling anyone that then it's, I'm never telling them that. And, and the Holy spirit is so gentle and so calm and so kind. And he continues to woo you out that I don't need to suffer in guilt and shame. I don't need to hide that. As a matter of fact, there'll be a proper time. And it wasn't until our kids were in college that the time we felt was right. And we could have that conversation to tell them our story. And what we realized is we're telling other people, it's a video. It's, it's in many places at Watermark where we felt like we were bringing healing to very difficult situations. And so our kids needed, we did again, this principle, wow, we don't want them to hear that from someone else. We want them to hear that from us. And so, um, 
you know, part of what Lucina said too, the whole, you know, as you get into detail as your kids are little, you know, you also want to protect them from going and now that they have all this new information, you know, going to school the next day and letting all their friends know and explain. And so, uh, again, they're, they're, Lucina did that great with our kids, again, just to help them understand this is not something you go tell your little friend that my daddy and brother have a penis and you know that that's not five-year-old conversation that that there are private parts you get into all kinds of detail about other people that touch you what's appropriate what's not and uh, especially in our world and culture and and so just setting them up for all that so they understand a consistency there. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that, too. Okay. He reminded me because he knows I forgot to talk about that. So, yes, as you discuss these words and as you discuss your children's parts, you, these are private parts. So, yes, you have a penis. Yes, you have a vagina. That's, those are your private parts. So those are we only talk about those when we're at home. And it's okay for you to run around at home after you've had your bath, you put your, your boy and your girl together in the tub when they're little. Nothing wrong with that. But as they begin to age and they become uncomfortable, you separate. That is, that is appropriate and right. Then you separate them. Um, but you want them to know these are private parts. And no one else is to ever touch you there. And if that ever happens, you let mommy know. Um, because that, that, that's private. That's, that is, those are your parts. And um, those are things we talk about at home. That's why we cover them up. That's why we wear clothes, because they're private. So. Yeah. And so, um, uh, anyway, just, you know, being careful uh, on all those fronts and, and also just with what age appropriate is, you know, to even bathe together and stuff like that. So, you know, if anything, we're gravitating to earlier and earlier that they not do that for a multitude of reasons. And so... Uh, you know, the big D's that we talked about are uh, divorce, death, destruction, uh, differences, I think is what you had. And so, again, just, just having a, a, a worldview, a biblical framework to talk about all that kind of stuff, to put it in perspective. And so, again, when, uh, when you've got divorce in your family, just recognizing that's not what God intended. God intended marriage to be for, you know, till death do us part. And so... Uh, you know, just confessing that, talking about that, if there are issues, if you've got that in your past, or, you know, it, just being honest about that. I, again, it gets back to the, the whole discipleship thing. The best, the greatest thing I can do for my kids is I can love God and I can love my spouse. Those are the two greatest things that I can do. And so for me to do anything to separate myself from either one of those relationships I just have to be honest. That's not loving my kids. And so I can delude myself to think differently, but it's not. And so, uh, you know, Proverbs one twenty through Proverbs 2.12 is a passage that I love to use. And, you know, we still even use it now because it talks about what happens when we live and follow in wisdom and the consequences of what happens when we don't. And so there's pain uh, in marriage. There's pain all around us when we walk in that way. Uh, what do you say about death of family or close friend? You know, again, as Lucina said, you're, you're constantly talking about uh, relative things in life. You know, things live and die. Uh, trees live and die. Plants, you're little froggy. You know, they live and they die. And sometimes that's because I didn't feed little froggy for a week, you know. <laughs> froggy did nothing to deserve death. 
<laughs> There's consequences to that. Sometimes that's our own consequences. Sometimes it's not. And so, you know, giving your kids a biblical worldview, understand, again, it's a great opportunity to talk about the gospel, the Romans road, you know, just heaven in an age-appropriate way. And just what grace is and, and, and again, just talking about the gospel from an early age, but also, you know, talking about it in an honest way. And so, um, uh, you know, First Thessalonians 4, as they're old enough, 13 through 17, is, just, is a passage that's just great about talking about death and what happens. And again, taking them to Scripture. It may even be you paraphrasing what that is. So they see that's where you're going when you talk about those things. Uh, and so, you know, there's always age-appropriate ways to expose your kids to that. And there's a multitude of different kids and a multitude of different ages and a multitude of different situations. And so to give you a cookie cutter that fits all those, you know, but you're going to have, should we let them see grandma in the open casket, you know, and should we let them go to the funeral? And so just being sensitive, talking through that kind of stuff and also recognizing that's a that's part of the reality of life. And you see death all the time. Uh, you know, natural disasters, uh, terrorist attacks, you know, again, just talking about, you know, how God is all-powerful. Uh, God loves us. We are free to choose. And, sometimes, and there are consequences to those choices. And so sometimes we see that. When people set off bombs at a marathon, you know, they made some choices that were opposed to God, and other people suffered as a result of that. And so God loves us enough. He doesn't create us as robots. You know, he created us with a free will. And so just talking about, you know, why there's evil and destruction in the world. And sometimes those are even events. You know, Psalm 139 uh, is just a great, uh, it's on the sovereignty of God, you know. And so as your kids are old enough, just talking about the sovereignty of God. And again, uh, just in a, in a natural way that's relevant. And you see it all through your Bible. You know, that's the great thing. You see it with Moses. You see it with Joseph. You see it with David. You know, you see it in your New Testament with Paul and Peter. And again, just, just uh, some of the aspects of what life brings us, sometimes as a result of our bad decisions, sometimes a result of the fact that we just had some you know, brothers that wanted to beat us and throw us in a pit, and we got sold into slavery. And maybe we had some ownership in that, but maybe we got falsely accused and thrown into prison. And in the same way, you know, in Genesis 50, what God intended for evil, what you intended for evil, God used for good. And you see that all through your Bible, and it happens. You know, those stories are getting written every day. And so just talking about that. Therefore, I don't have to live in fear. You know, God's all-powerful, and he's all-loving. And so just giving them a worldview for how that works. Uh, how you answer questions about different gifting among kids. And again, I love this because this is all in nature. You see it. There's a multitude of different kinds of flowers. You know, there's a multitude of different kinds of trees. There's all different kinds of birds. You know, there's an eagle. There's a red bird. There's a turkey. Uh, there's a pelican. You know, and you can love all those different kinds of birds. And God made us all different. And, you know, that's, the, that's 1 Corinthians 12 where he talks about the body of Christ. And one of the things that, you know, it's fun to use the body you know, even as an analogy for how we're all different. And, you know, some of us are an eye and some are a hand and a foot. 
And, you know, one of the things that was corny that I used with my kids, and they don't like me to use it anymore because uh, <laughs> they think it's really stupid. But I used to tell them, I, I'd say, you know, your daddy is an elbow. And, uh, you know, my elbow, I don't normally show it. A lot of times I have a sleeve. But, but if I didn't have an elbow, I would die. Because the, the, my elbow is that important to my body. And you say, well, how can you say that? And you say, well, you know, if I were to go and eat and I didn't have an elbow and I scoop my food down, I don't have any way to get that food to my mouth. And so I'd have to throw it up and, you know, try to... Or if I wanted to take a drink, I'd just have to do what my dog does, you know, and just try to lap it up. And my elbow is necessary for every aspect of my life. And I'm so thankful that God puts elbows in this world, because if he didn't, you know, the body could not function the way it does. And so just understanding, because some of your kids, Jordan was not big, you know, he couldn't play football, was just not fun for him. You know, part of it is you're just a whole lot smaller. God didn't make you to play football. He made some guys to play football, but he, there are other things that you're, you do. There's other ways that you're gifted. You know, you're not wired like your sister. You're gifted in a whole nother way that's awesome artistically you draw pictures and you know things that your sister can't do i know math is hard for you and you can't remember all this stuff but this is awesome and it's so just celebrating the way god makes you and you're going to be able to see that and bring that out and celebrate that uh, you know from an early age as your kids grow up so last category we're going to touch on are the little bees and that's bullies and babes and um just how do you talk to your child if they are being bullied and this can be Sticks and stones, maybe it could be emotional, it could be words initially, and then it may be physical at some point. And so how do you discuss this? And again, for us, this didn't occur really until middle school, but Jordan was bullied as a middle school student. And, um, and so scripture is replete with what, what do we do with that? The Sermon on the Mount is full of the, when you look at the Beatitudes, what do we do? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And so you can present the principle as well um, to begin to talk about that. Kyle gave you the story of Joseph. I mean, his own brothers um, were against him and persecuting in a way him and, and harmed and hurt him and sent him away. So look at Scripture is full of stories of those who were persecuted. Books have been written to this day on those who are persecuted for their faith. And so um, you can come up with lots of examples, but what you want to go back to are just principles. Um, one of the things that if any of you have ever been through Regen, but one of the things we say in Regen is hurting people hurt others. And so we want to talk about the people that are hurting us with their words or with what they do. And I'm so sorry, Jordan, that, that he, they are doing that to you. And why do you think that is? So ask him the question and then begin to talk. It is very possible that Johnny or Jimmy or whomever is hurting himself. And so what a great time. Let's pray for him. That's what Jesus did. And so we can begin to pray for how this, and then you may need to equip them in how to handle that, what to do. As the bullying ratchets up, it, you may have to go to Matthew 18. What do we do? We go to those, that person one-on-one, and we modeled that. We actually role-played with Jordan to go to talk to these brothers that were bullying him. We drove him down the street. We 
sat in the car and let him go to the front door. And um, th- this was another believing family, actually, that was perpetrating the, the hurt. And so, um, but he was old enough at the time that we felt like he needed to begin that process on his own. If that doesn't stop, or if we continue to have problems, then what do we do in Matthew 18? What's the next step? What do you do? Yeah, widen the circle, bring other people in. So is that a teacher? Is that parents? Is that, whom is that? I don't know. And so you've got great models to follow already. Matthew 18, when you're in conflict, that's what you do. The Beatitudes, go to the Beatitudes and look for examples in your Bible, but but talk about it, how glad you are they brought you in on that, how sorry you are that is happening. And I love that passage from Joseph. What they intend for harm to you, God intends for good. And he's molding your character as hard and as painful as that is. And for girls, for us, that was probably mean girls in high school or junior high. That's when that happens. And it's, it's emotional and it's verbal. So it's different even from the different sexes and how it feels, but it's as painful regardless, um, how it comes out. Yeah. And so just the last piece, the, the babes and, you know, the pornography, the words, what they say, you know, again, just getting ahead of that, making sure that you're talking about why, uh, what I see matters, why thoughts I have, why getting exposed to things, you know, the road that leads. We always say there's, you know, there's no such thing as a blowout. There's only slow leaks. And so those are the slow leaks, the little things that I see that build on each other, the small little decisions. And so just talking about that, having an environment of talking about that as they get older, you know, then understanding that. Uh, you know, you just continue to be able to add scripture. You can equip your sons and, and I guess these days your daughters just for, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, again, using, it's it's great using analogy. You know, a little poison in the garden is going to do a lot of destruction. You pray a little, you spray a little uh, uh, roundup. roundup, you know, and you start to see death. And so it doesn't take much to bring death. Weeds grow. I got to cultivate my garden, you know, and and again, even using Ephesians four twenty nine, just not letting any unwholesome work proceed from my mouth, you know, and just talking about the wise. Not we don't say those things to other people. Well, why do we not? Well, here's why. And so here's what happens when we do that, and talk about that relationally with each other, and you start to see, okay, now I understand the wisdom of those scriptures, and so it just continues to build uh, the foundation. James one fourteen and fifteen. You know, we used a lot with Jordan. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So it starts with a lust. What do I do with it? And again, the great thing for our kids is they got to see kids make bad decisions. And then as they went on, they got to see the consequences of that. So it's always great to see, wow, now I understand more why, you know, even when I don't understand at the time. But again, it's it's just getting to be part of that. And the whole dating thing, you know, this, our culture is just getting more and more immersed in this where parents think, you know, I want my kids to be in the popular group and I want them to, you know, I want them to like girls. I don't want them to just like boys. And so I'm going to dating, I'm going to foster, fan the flame. And, you know, dating before your, the, the intent for dating is for marriage. It's preparation for marriage. So if you feel like your kids are ready to get married then you can let them walk through what appropriate dating is. If they want a girlfriend or boyfriend in junior high and they're not ready to get married, then just be wise. That's a dead end. It's going to lead to giving your heart away, a pattern of that. It could lead to 
other things early in exploration. You know, you're just setting them up for destruction. And so just that that's where, you know, just going back to, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, we didn't do that and we turned out okay. Well, you know what? When you look back, there's a lot of carnage and destruction. And maybe you are the exception, but at a grave price. And so God loves you. He's got abundant life for you. He's trying to set you up. And so, again, just helping them. And so it's great as the kids understand that. Again, it's back to the trust. And so even when Audrey was in college and a young man, you know, ne- neither of our kids really dated no, uh, un- until Audrey did in college. And when a young man said he wanted to pursue her, Audrey said, hey, great, talk to my dad. And so, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a position to make sure he understands, and I see Cheryl out there, her uh, it was her a, brother. Her brother. <laughs> and so I got to help John understand what this is and what our role is going to be in his leading and why we're going to talk about pornography and masturbation and purity and how he leads. And, you know, he can ask me the same questions I'm asking him. And I want to set him up for the greatest husband that's, you know, that's ever been around, whether that's for my daughter or somebody else's daughter. So this is a win-win deal. All I want to do is help you and encourage you and build into you. And so, again, that, that, that starts when they're little and just helping them understand that my family's for me and that, that's the, the process. So, and, and what I would say about that, too. So we're not saying they can't go to the prom. or We're not saying that. We're talking about um, uh, one-on-one, I have a boyfriend relationship that is exclusive and continual and over a long period of time. And anybody in here who dated for a long period of time in high school knows um, it sets you up for a lot of things that you just were not prepared to handle at the time. And if you made it through and you're still pure when you finish that, at the very least, you or the young man you were dating had a broken heart if you didn't marry him. And so um, that's the minimum is you, you, you're breaking each other's heart. And, um, and so that, that's what we're tr- striving to avoid and, and wait for um, giving that in marriage. And so let me just tell you about Jordan's 24 still hasn't really dated. Yes, he did go to prom his senior year. Never before that because he just wasn't really interested. Freshman year in a fraternity, didn't go to the parties because they were really wild, but wanted to go to the first formal. And so what did he do? He took his sister. She was his date. Senior in high school, she went to the fraternity formal. She thought she was really big as her brother's date. Um, And so that's who that was. Now, what happened to Jordan as a result of that? In high school, guys called him gay in college are you gay um because he what he's because his father had um really taught him well but but because of that he was maligned he was persecuted you could say in a way called names um discussed questioned about his sexual orientation and believe me he wants to be married and be a daddy someday but he realizes that he hasn't found who that is. He's not interested yet. And so he's just not even going there. But because of that, lots of questions surround who he is, who he lives with, what he does with his time. Um, because, because of the culture we live in. And just immediately you're put into that category. And so just you're going to have to, as Kyle said, swim upstream. So um, with that. I think you all uh, have questions that you're going to do at their tables. So we'd like to give you time now. So you've got some table talk questions, and then we will answer questions from the floor if you have them that we haven't touched on already.
Okay, ladies, we're going to try to answer these questions. There's a lot of them. Some of them, it could be a whole topic unto itself. So we're going to try to shoot you out, again, some principles to answer your questions as best we can. You want to start? You go ahead, baby. Okay, so the first um, question I'm going to look at is, how, at what age is it too old for your kids to see you naked? Um, and, again, I think... Um, and that's a tough question. And th- there we go. I love that's what we're doing. Um, I think as young kids, there's just no way to avoid that as, as preschoolers. And, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But by four and five, um, they begin, they, they really do begin, they may begin to be uncomfortable themselves. And so I think it, I think that's you and your husband have to really talk about that, but I think you appropriately cover yourself in modesty. Now, does that mean if you're in the shower and your son walks in, you scream and, like, cover yourself and all? No. Again, what we want to avoid is is making this bad or dirty or um, he's bad because he saw you. I mean, just just grab the towel, wrap it around yourself, um, et cetera. So, so you want to avoid making it into something that it's not because God created you just just like he created them, but appropriately cover yourself. If it happens, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat him up. Just cover yourself and go on. If he asks questions, what are those? Well, those are my breasts. And so if you haven't had that conversation, those are my breasts. What are those for? Well, mommy uses those. I I don't know if you've seen your friends and you guys live in a, in a generation that does breastfeed. Thank goodness. I mean, a kid in Africa would never ask this question because the boob is hanging out all the time. I mean that it just does. And so, um, so, you know, it's just interesting. We live in a culture that uh, my generation, very rarely did you ever see anyone nurse. Um, I mean, we went to the bathroom. You were, you would never do that at a table or in a public place. Never, ever did you see that. So we've come a long way, baby. And if that's great, that's appropriate to, you don't have to shield your child or protect them from it. This is what God intended that to be for. And you can discuss it in that manner. He can learn the other things it's for later. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. Did you have something oh, else? And so that, that is, a, you know, modesty is just a really important thing. And so, you know, young men are much more uh, exploratory and interactive. And you just want to really be, you know, you want to be really careful, especially, you know, with little boys. and Because you start those wheels turning and thinking. And, you know, I, I just think you, you want to really be careful. We even... You know, even our daughter, Audrey, haven't, you know, trying to sensitize her with, you know, one, one battle that we had often was uh, with dress and clothes because of fashion. And, you know, she's got a brother a year older than her. And so his friends seeing her in a bathing suit or, you know, and it's just she just doesn't it's there's a lack of comprehension and understanding. And that's where the trust comes in. And so you get to talk about uh that type of stuff and the whys behind that. And, um, you know, again, I, I think just being really, our culture is so far the other way desensitized and it's not a big deal. And so I don't think you can be too far the other way. And even, you know, Jordan and I don't traipse around in the nude together, showering together. You know, even now, does that happen in locker rooms and stuff like that? Yeah. But still, uh, you know, I just think, again, just, just an awareness that you don't want to get... We're almost so comfortable anyway. I think you've got to really uh, be careful. Is that... Yes. It's, it's so the whole... Uh, you know, one of the questions which is uh, uh, good is just... But because your husbands are not in here, 
you know, and so you go home and you talk about the stuff and I can I could see me saying, well, we're not doing any of that. You know, that's not how I grew up. I didn't grow up talking about that stuff. That's my lizard. I'm going to bleed the lizard. And, you know, it's <laughs> that's what that's, I never even heard that. I didn't even know my, what he was talking about. I'm like, what are you t- what are you talking about? Just, I had no clue. We, guys, your lizard. We never what? called it what it is. It was your my ding unit, dong, my your lizard, ding-a-ling, your, I mean, you know, yeah. my tail. That's what it is. <laughs> and so I think it's great to, you know, what you don't want to do is go home and say, no, I heard, you know, and hey, he, Kyle, Kyle said this and, you know, and so just get the di- dialogue. I think that's what Lucina did with me. You get started talking about that. If this is recorded, Let's listen to that and just talk about, are there some of those things that we want to do? And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's just trying to get that dialogue. There's excellent books and that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, and on that, so we're going to also, what's going to be posted on the Facebook page, on the Internet, is a, we're going to give you a resource guide because there were limited resources when we were coming along in this. The, there are replete now great books on all these subjects how to talk to your kids about death how to talk to them about divorce how to talk to them about sex at a very young age and so there's all kinds of resources as well as internet sites and we have that and we're going to give that to you and so when you leave you can look at the facebook page and be equipped with other tools that will help you um and maybe help your community as well as you talk about them good and so that you know there were several questions on the whole dating thing and Again, I think you just start early with helping give your kids a worldview of marriage and dating and preparation for that, purity, and, you know, at age-appropriate ways. And so that's just going to, again, it's going to help you just in terms of, uh, of going against the culture with some of these things. And so one of the things, too, as they get, you know, escorting for dances and stuff like that, uh, you know, first time, uh, you know, Jordan got asked out when was he in junior Sadie high? Hawkins did. No, it was freshman year. Sadie Hawkins. Okay. Did. And so, you know, Jordan and I talked about, Hey, by the way, raising a modern day night for your, if you got sons, you can't read that too early with the dad. That, that's a great, Robert Lewis has got some great resources of, this is what I want my son to be. This is what I have to do at an early age. And so, you know, Jordan and I had done some of that. And so, you know, when a girl asks you to a dance, you know, what does it mean to step up and lead? It's, you know, we talk about 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 a lot. We use with a man, you know, be on the alert, stand firm in the face, act like men, be strong, let everything you do be done in love. And so what's that mean to step up? Well, it means calling her father, saying, hey, I want to come meet with you because I know you're in a position to, to protect her and... Uh, I want you to know who I am. I want to be available for you to ask me any questions that you want. And so, you know, first time Jordan got asked to that dance, he called. You don't call the mom. Wait a minute. What did he say when you said this is what we're going to do? I'm going to call her. I didn't ask her. She asked me. Yeah. He was like, what? We're not, I don't want to do that. And Kyle said, do you want to go? Yes. Well, then we're going to go talk to her dad. And so this is what leading looks like, you know. And so gr- this is awesome that she asked you. And so it, it, was, it, it was so great. So Jordan calls him, sets up a meeting. Jo- of course, Jordan can't even drive, you know. So, so I drive him over there. I said, hey, you want me to wait in the car or come in? He said, why don't you come in? So we go to the front door, meet the dad, the mom. We go in and sit down. And I just said, hey, I, I'm just here with you. And so... <laughs> 
uh, Jordan proceeds, you know, and I coached him. We talked about what you're going to say. They'd role played the, in advance. And the great thing is this little girl is standing, you know, On by the, the stairway. And so Jordan just says, hey, I, I, this is who I am. I'm excited to get to escort your daughter. I know that that's a tremendous responsibility, and I want you to know how I view this and that I want to care for her well. And so I know you may have any number of questions for me, and so rather than me telling you about myself, I want to first just give you the freedom to ask me anything you want. And the dad was like, wow, this is awesome. Stunned. And he Stunned. said, well, Jordan, what do you like to do? And, you know, talked about that. And, and so anyway, about, about 15 minutes into it, this dad said, you know what? I have a son that's four years older than you, and I never even thought about having him do this. I can't tell you how affirmed, how encouraged I am. I whiffed big time as a dad. This has just been... And so we went out of there. Jordan's on cloud nine because the dad has affirmed, encouraged. And he didn't know us. We didn't know him. And I just thought, what a great... He came home. Audrey got to hear what happened, how awesome that was. Got to see us talk about it. Because she so was like, just, you're going to do What? <laughs> So it's not normative, but it's great when it happens. You just see, wow, there's good stuff here. What else is there? I want to know more. And so, again, it's just, you know, modeling. You know, God, even when it sounds, there's a way that seems right to a man, and it's in his way of death. And, you know, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God does, man. He's going to give me understanding. And so if I follow his path, he's trying to set me up for abundant life. So, anyway. Okay, did you have any other there on that issue? And and, and so if it's a girl, you know, again, it's what what if uh, the girl's dating? uh, Would you talk to the girl? You know, one of the things we always educated Audrey with Jordan, you know, talk about those things both and why we're going to engage and why. Audrey had a guy call her one time and invite her to a... uh, a party, you know, it was like a football banquet or something like that. And she said, you know what, I'd, oh, yeah. I appreciate you calling. And so uh, would you call my dad? He'd love to talk to you. Guess what? Well, then I don't want to invite you. I thought, Audrey. I don't want to talk to your dad. Audrey, how awesome is that? We just ferreted that one out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, you know, the guy's a sleazebag. He won't even, <laughs> I, I wonder what he was planning and, uh, but again, Audrey learned to, to help them understand why, you know, my dad is great. He, you know, why, why do I have to talk to your dad? Because, you know, my, my dad cares about me and he cares about the people interested in me. So he just wants to have an opportunity to encourage you, uh, to talk to you. And, and again, when these happen, when a guy, young man came to our house, I spent the first 15 minutes affirming him and celebrating the fact that he stepped up He's there that he's talking to me. And uh, just how impressed I was with him that he just showed up. And so, anyway, it's just setting that culture. Well, but let's not, I don't want you all to think that this was all received so enthusiastically. Um, because it wasn't. And there were plenty of years, again, like that. Was Audrey disappointed she didn't go to the football bat? Yeah, absolutely. Because she didn't get asked to very many things in high school. And so that was very disappointing. And we have to handle that. I mean, she didn't get invited to prom till her senior year. And so every year, you know, or even to homecoming, freshman year, we went and did something as a family. We went away for the weekend because she wasn't invited. She wasn't asked. Let's, let's again, let's affirm her. Let's make her special. But 
let's not make that such a big deal. And so you have to learn to do that. When you put the stake in the ground, you're going to swim upstream and you're not going to get out. You're, you're not going to. And that's hard. And that was hard for her. And even with John, as um, John went and she were dating, and Kyle went through all of these asking really awkward questions, you know, and, and Audrey knew what she was going to ask John. And she's like, well, I just don't think he's going to like that. After the fact, John has said to us, I, I didn't, it wasn't that bad. I mean, at first it was really awkward. And at first I didn't want to, but once I understood that was, that was the way it was going to be, it was okay. Mm-hmm. She struggled more than he struggled with it. And I, John has told us, I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> this was good. And I'm going to do the same thing. And so even when they don't understand someday, a baby's going to be put in her arms. And I think she's going to go, I'm going to do whatever that was that you did. I'm thinking I'm going to do a lot of that. And so just closing a couple of little things. There, there are very appropriate, you know, dad to son, mom to daughter. And so, you know, we didn't want to leave with the impression we do this together all the time with both kids because, uh, uh, you know, getting away early age, there, there's, there are all kinds of resources. None of them are perfect, but there's a lot of good stuff out there to cultivate. You know, there was a tape series that Jordan and I listened to and talk about it's always easier when you get to listen and then let's talk about that what do you think you know what was awkward what was you know and so again it's just setting an environment it's being intentional okay you have to be intentional this is not going to just naturally happen in your home and so that that's where i celebrate again my wife because lucina was always intentional trying to help set me up for success in the ways that she you know was just initiating some of these things and one of the questions about the, you know, how long did you do the six o'clock dinner? You know, so one of the things we did early on uh, is we didn't have cable in our home. You know, we didn't have television. And so that left some. Well, big, we had three stations. Yeah, we had, we had an antenna. PBS in our and whatever else. In so, but, uh, but the great thing was, again, we didn't gravitate to TV because we just didn't, we didn't have it. And so that created some blocks of time. Our kids felt like they grew up uh, disadvantaged. If we went on vacation and a hotel had cable, it was, wow, I want to stay in the hotel room, <laughs> you know. So, but anyway, it's just being intentional. I, Jordan was not interested in sports, so I quit watching sports. Uh, and so it's just, just trying to be intentional. And so, do, do so, you know, when Jordan was in gymnastics and in high school, so we might have done dinner at 7. You know, there, you start to flex, but again, you're trying to create. This is, We're not legalistic about this. There's some flex, but we also don't want to surrender rich time with our family for things that aren't, uh, that aren't God's best. Yeah, so the re- answer to the question is oh, we did do it. Time. Generally speaking, on a regular basis, we did do it all the way through high school. And um, that meant saying no to some things. It meant changing the time sometimes. And there would be a night of a week or maybe that we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, w- I cooked five days a week. Um, and waited for the weekend to come when we can do something else. So that was just generally what we did. Um, Our time's up, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so if you've got a question that we didn't answer, you can come to us up here because we do yeah. want to let you go yeah. on time. So. Well, Father, we do thank you just for the ways you love us, just the, uh, the way it's humbling to raise kids, uh, whether it's in today's environment or whatever it might be, and just knowing that we cannot do this uh, without you, your counsel, your spirit, without community. Others helping us navigate these things, just the ways you remind us of our dependence on you. And so we, we, we do want to 
acknowledge that they're their kids and you've given them, uh, us to steward in a way that we get to shepherd them. Uh, and so we just, just help us do that. Help us to navigate. Thank you for the ways you shepherded us that in spite of just uh, times where we went astray, that you loved us enough to draw us back. And so just help us to create an environment that is rooted and founded on you and the ways that you love us unconditionally through Christ. Amen.